This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Currently... You can get free delivery on all orders over £40 and 10% of all online orders by using our code of TAKESTHATCHANCE10. It's in. Jackson's there, Billy Head. A goal, Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Stephen Schindler. A chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance! Good evening and welcome to episode 104 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. If you went down to Ewood Saturday, you were sure of a big scoreline. Town faced off against yeah. a very relaxed Blackburn Rovers side, but were taken apart inside 60 minutes. Uh, Carlos Corbran has started to become visibly and audibly stressed and worried. Is the pressure now getting to our beleaguered head coach? Meanwhile, Man City won the League Cup this week for the fourth time in a row. That's four successful League Cup campaigns since Town last won a League Cup tie against Rotherham back in 2017. Uh, there have been a few announcements of interest by the HTSA this week, uh, one of them about assets of community value, and I'll loop in a quick interview with Alistair Bell from the HTSA on that one. And speaking of sustainable, we have a four-strong panel. Joining myself, Matt Shaw is the perfect man to know if you need to drown your sorrows after a 5-2 defeat, or hopefully after the next game, need a beer to celebrate something. It's Magic Rock founder and CEO, Richard Burhouse. Hi, Richard. Evening, Matt. How are you doing? Good. So, along with Richard, uh, two lads who are always thirsty, whether that's in the pub or browsing the internet, it's Dan Pozzaporit and Simon Copland. Good evening, everyone. We all okay? Yeah, Good, gents. Yeah, very well, thank you. Fantastic. Uh, hello to everybody online as well. So, Dan Peckett's joined us already, and there's 20 watching straight off the bat, so that's good. Good to see you all there online. So, 
Uh, let us know online what you thought of the the Blackburn game. I can't imagine there'll be too much uh, split opinion on on that. Uh, so, one thing that's not sustainable, unlike uh, the stadium, is uh, the level of performance we are seeing from the Terriers. Um, but I do want to cut that short for a moment because I think I'd rather talk about beer as well. So, uh, Rich, <laughs> just let us know what's going on at Magic Rock. What what's going on there now? Can people like me come over for a pint? Do we book online? What's the what's the process? <clears throat> Yeah, we're open. Uh, at least we're open at the uh, tap room at Birkby, the one the town fans will be familiar with. Um, it is a it's a booking system. I think we've got extra tables in there though. So during during the week week there's reasonably good space. The weekends are, are busier, so need to check it out really. But there's live booking uh, via the website. If you go to the tap rooms tab on the website, you can book in, and it's um, yeah, it's going all right. I mean, as right as only been able to drink outside. And 50% capacity can be, it's, it's going well. It's, it's nice to be able to have beer again, I suppose. So I've, I've been down there on uh, the other Friday and, yeah, and uh, did my bit to uh, help our sales. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I'm sure we'll all, we'd all like to get back out to the pubs uh, sooner rather than later, especially the food trucks down there. You know, people like me are suckers for those food trucks, Rich, those food trucks. So uh, hopefully we'll see you all again and hopefully next season when the football's back, hopefully. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right then, so Brady uh, did the preview show this week. Uh, Cozzy also joined Rovers chat for um, a little one-to-one uh, and uh, preview. Uh, they were absolutely adamant that we would win this game uh, at a canter as well. Uh, Blackburn were absolutely stunned as to what came at them. You know, Stephen Chicken wrote a, a fantastic article, I thought, with his you know his usual five conclusions, really, really accurate, and he didn't shirk anything. You know, and he, I don't think he overstepped any boundaries either, which was which was fantastic. Um, they, he he mentioned he made a mention that they were laughing at Huddersfield Town's performance in the press room about how we took the game to them and how we just fell completely into into their trap. Um, for me, it started a little bit like the Forest game. Uh, you know, they came out as first twenty minutes, but the main difference really was Blackburn scored, and you can really see the the mental struggles that a lot of the players have at Huddersfield, and that really came home to roost. Um, but pause. This is a strong Huddersfield town side. This isn't one bereft of injuries. This is arguably only really Christopher Schindler and Isaac and Benza. And again, like I say, arguably away from a, a supposed best 11. You really expected a little bit more, especially considering they're mentally on the beach and we're still still scrapping a little bit. Yeah, I think it were probably a little bit naivety, really. Um, I think Blackburn are one of those sides that they like the space in behind to play into. I think early season they were they were really good at getting forward and, and scored quite a lot of goals. And I think the way to set up against Blackburn is is almost to sit deep and, and try and play them on the counter attack. Um, which from what I saw we sort of did the opposite. You know, Carlos came afterwards and sort of said, you know, we want three points and we kind of went all out to get those three points and probably pushed a little bit too far up upfield and you know got caught on counter-attack ourselves, but it, it just shows that little bit of lack of um, understanding of, of how to set up against teams. Um, I know, like you say, it's almost full strength. You've got a couple of players there that are, that are coming back. I think Toffolo only played a couple since his return. Karoma, obviously, have not done a right lot. So, you know, although on paper it's full strength, match fitness-wise, mm. probably not, you know, as up and raring to go as what we'd like. But yeah, that, that were a little bit concerning because you look at the team sheet before and you actually think, do you know what? We've, we've, we've probably got a chance here because as you say, it's, it's a decent squad. We're not really filling gaps with players that 
you know, playing it wrong position. It's almost what you'd expect to field. Um, and, and to lose in the way that we did is, well, it's just not good enough, really, is it? It's almost getting to a point where it's, it's almost embarrassing. You know, if, if opposition press members are laughing at you, you know, what does that say about how bad the, the performance was? Uh, we get a goal just on half time. You're thinking, you know what, we've gone in, tails up. What can we do second half? And don't worry about 15 minutes after that, we're five yeah. one down. Dead and buried, yeah. Dead <laughs> which, and buried. Is, which is terrible, really, isn't it? You know, as a, as a, you know, when you go to watch football and you sat there thinking, if I were Blackburn now, you think, right, tell you what, first 15 minutes, second half, just keep it tight. Don't let them get a second. Don't let them pull it level because... If that happens, generally you're going to win sort of three two, don't you? And mm. the opposite way around, maybe we should have kept it tight for the first fifteen minutes because you know we were three in and it's game over before the second half even got started, really. So yeah, this, this obviously disappointing to lose. Um, I think again we've talked about it on here before. We don't mind losing. It's sometimes the manner of the defeat which is a little bit more annoying, and, and this was definitely one of those occasions for me. 100%. Say, we, we used to be goalkeepers back in the golden age of the mid-north. Long time ago, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Back when we, <laughs> our, our bodies functioned properly and, and we are, and uh, not <laughs> externally, obviously. And um, I, I I will always try and defend Ryan Schofield where possible. You know, I've said before, it's fantastic to see uh, local lads who support the club come through and play for the club. Uh, I, I genuinely can't work out what he was doing on that first goal because it kind of looks like it took him by surprise, but he's got his eyes on it all the way through. And it's just, I can't really make much of a case for for him. You, you can obviously deflect a little bit and say Bakuna maybe should be going with his head at the far post, but it's um, he's not had the best of games, Ryan. I don't want to hammer him, obviously, too much, but you look at the, that goal and, and the fourth goal and there's the pass back as well. And he seems to, he seems to have random spells of real confidence crisis, confidence issues. And to me, he shouldn't have done really on that corner because the save he made as the ball went out for the corner was outstanding. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we spoke kind of probably going back a few weeks and months as to whether or not Ryan Schofield should have the number one jersey for the remainder of the season. And I was a big supporter of that at the time. Um, I think with any young goalkeeper, you're going to get um, kind of ups and downs uh, and kind of their form is going to perhaps peak and trough a little bit more than what an experienced goalkeepers would. Um, I think for me, it's quite obvious to everyone what Ryan Schofield's strengths and weaknesses are. He's a brilliant shot stopper. I think he's got the most saves in a six-yard box of, of any keeper in the football league, but he is susceptible under kind of the high ball. Barnes exploited that. Um, and kind of Blackburn exploited it at the weekend. And to be honest, I'm amazed that more clubs haven't exploited it this season. And then from that kind of moment, he obviously has quite a difficult game from there and in at fault for the fourth goal. Like you say, I'd expect him to save that. Um, probably not so much the other the other three, but uh, it was a tough game for him as it, as it was for everyone. And just before I kind of move on, Matt, I think just to kind of sum up the game from my point of view, um, it was a much worse and much more disappointing performance than what it was against Norwich I felt Norwich are a better calibre of opposition than what Blackburn are they're not world beaters but they're a better calibre of opposition and to, to the point before if you look at the team she would put out against Blackburn Pippa's playing Toffolo's playing Aiton's playing Karoma's playing it is a near as damn it as we're going to get full strength squad and let's not kind of pull no punches or kind of paper over the cracks. That game should have been dead and buried at half-time. Blackburn should have put us to the sword and it should have easily have been three, maybe even four nil at half-time. 
the fact we've even got a chance to be still in the game after half time amazes me. And then we go and blow it in the way we did. And and, and for me, I feel like we're getting worse rather than better. And, and that's what's really concerning. Sorry, that was quite downbeat. But anyway, no, it's, it's you can see it right. off my chest. This is, this is where we've got Honestly, Richie to cheer us all up, isn't it? <laughs> but we look at the we look at the back four and I, I just kind of feel like writing this game off because we've been here before so many times and there's only so many times you can beat a dead horse, isn't there, really, with, with a lot of the stuff. Uh, the centre-backs were were back to probably their worst, I thought, and that's maybe something that I didn't get, something that maybe didn't get picked up. Um, and I, again, I go on about this quite a lot, and it's the man-to-man marking, which I think they really struggle with. You look at the the second goal as... Um, as, as an example, Pippa goes high on his man. His man drops deep, so Pippa goes high. And what happens is they drop a man into the 10 position and they just play the ball around the corner where Pippa was. Pippa's playing injured, so he can't get back. And it's poor old Richard Keogh at 35 years of age, you know, who's who's having to chase, you know, a much fitter, younger uh, footballer. And you look at that and Harry Toffolo as well plays them all on, on side as well. And that's a really peculiar, peculiar goal. And then goal three, Nabisar, Gives an inexplicable throwing away really beforehand, which doesn't pick up on the highlights on the on the website. And then the quick throw, and they, they both him and Toff just kind of Toffolo. You've got to, you've got, I think we've got to understand he's playing with a back, you know, he's playing with a back injury. You know, I think it's fair to say, you know, he's trying to do us a favor by playing through it, you know, just to try and see us over the line. And I think as soon as we're over the line, Touchwood, I think Toffolo then goes back to a resting phase. But Nabisar just really bizarrely ambled back, and because of the man-to-man system. Keo then has to come across and leave his man and his man scores. And it's 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 a complete mess. And goal five was like that. So to throw this to you, Rich, I'll, I'll simplify, I'll condense that. Um, do you think maybe, and it's come through here from uh, there was a question that I saw from Terrier7N2, and he said he's called Carlos to be gone, but it's obviously it's obvious Phil isn't going to do that. And he says, I do wonder if the players are confused by what Carlos wants. And I've seen this a couple of times, maybe whereby Potentially, because Carlos went from his, you know, what we refer to as Carlos ball to a more pragmatic approach, and and it seems to go back. Do you think maybe there's just a bit of apprehension and confusion amongst what's expected amongst the players, and we're just seeing a bit of a, a mishmash of nothing, maybe at the minute? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I thought the more pragmatic formation we moved to was to was to cope with the injuries we've had. You know, so I suppose once once he gets his players back, he seems very keen to take teams on toe to toe. You know, and obviously. We beat Blackburn at home, didn't we? Or did we, yeah. we draw? We beat them, didn't we? Yeah, Nabi that last-minute winner. Was that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and I just think he got it completely wrong because Blackburn are accurate attacking, aren't they? They have been for a couple of years now. I was there for the away game under the Cowleys and they picked us off with a, with a mistake, uh, pass back, you know, playing trying to play out from the back. And I just... It, that game needed a bit more... It needed us to be a bit more cautious with really. It wasn't the. It wasn't. I think he saw it as everyone's back. Let's get into them. Show our mm. quality. Show them what we can do. But they're a, they're a decent attacking outfit. You know, I don't think they're a, an amazing defensive outfit or or massively strong. And I think they were there for the taking. But tactically, he got it completely wrong again, which is is disappointing. You know, I don't really want him to go because I saw I felt some of the best football we played for years in the first part of the season but it's a steep learning curve isn't it you know if we stay up it's by the skin of its teeth and I just you just got it wrong and, and as you say they're not they're not pacey enough to pay, play a high line play against a team with decent attacking intent we just get picked off it was 
it was poor. In, in many ways, like Simon says, the worst result of the season, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I felt a bit more. Dis- I felt more disappointed by this than than Norwich, mainly because Blackburn were, you know, expected to just roll over, and obviously that no one rolls over really. Um, so for me, that the disappointment of the the, the really? game really. Well, yeah, we, I was trying to avoid that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. So essentially, that I, I don't really like. I said I don't really want to go over the game too much. You know, we. We essentially could have could have shipped ten on the day. Uh, we were all over the place, and to me, there does look to be some some sort of confusion with with what's expected of the players, and maybe the communication is is uh, is a little bit out. But I want to concentrate on something a little bit more positive from that game as well. And guess what? Pause. It's returned. Hang on, I need to work out which button I'm on here. Nail is back. Josh Karoma is back. The Josh Karoma fan club is assembling. What a goal. Hey, that second one. What, what an absolutely fantastic. And the first one as well, the run, which he goes down the right-hand side. We we genuinely have a decent player here. You know, we've been saying since the start of the season, Josh Karoma. I think at first it was not so much tongue-in-cheek, but it was more based on a potential, you know, the, the fan club thing, you know, getting early, you know, we were here first kind of thing. You know, like when everyone <laughs> used to think Coldplay was good and then went mainstream and it's like, nah, Coldplay, rubbish, that kind of thing. Um, when when Josh Karoma plays for England, we'll be like useless. But for now, we absolutely love this guy. And that second goal was fantastic. He's got seven seven goals in eighteen games. Uh, Josh Karoma puts him joint top scorer with Fraser Campbell again, I think. And if you sort of look at that and you try and extrapolate that over the course of a season, that's sort of sixteen seventeen goals a season from out wide, and that's that's a really fantastic season. Obviously, it hasn't happened, but you know if you try and extend or extend that period you know that's sort of the uh uh what am i trying to say here if you try and extend that condensed period across you know the full season it looks good and for me and there was a little bit of discussion because you know cosy is, is carl and grant's number one fan you know remember when thomas bradshaw drew carlos grant leaving on the train because <laughs> he was there to wave him off on the platform etc which is fantastic um i i would go and say that josh caroma now is is a better player than what carl and grant was for his last season you look at grant in terms of open play he, he, I think he scored something like 10, 11 goals. The rest were penalties. And yep, okay, penalties are goals. But I think Karoma contributes far more in open play. I think if he played up front, it would be better than Carl and Grant because he's, his touch is decent, he's stronger, he's, uh, you know, he can twist into tight spaces. Um, I'm really excited by Josh Karoma. Every time I see him play, I'm really, really excited. Uh, and I just hope he's not sold over the summer uh, because I think there's the potential here for... Um, a real hero and next year you know pause we got the uh, tweet didn't we say where do you see us in 12, 30, 12 to 36 months if Cal- if Josh Karoma is still here you know there's a chance we can we can move forward uh, what do you guys make Rich what do you, you make of Josh Karoma then you've we've obviously not seen him for a while but he seems to have picked up where he left off yeah I love him you know like it, it was a breath of fresh air beginning of the season how much it felt like he'd come on wasn't it his ability to hold the ball up particularly is something we've really been missing so you know we can knock it down the channels to him and he, he seems to be capable physically against against just about anyone, you know, and, and obviously brilliant finisher as well. Um pretty right footed and I know teams got wise to that a little bit with Grant, but I, I agree his all round game seems seems better. And I was concerned really that after a, an injury we'd get a Karoma from last season who well we didn't see loads of him, but you know I, I didn't you're worried, aren't you, that maybe he'd had a sort of purple patch and he's going to come back and he won't be the same, but delighted to see him sort of 
pick up where he left off. And I, I completely agree with that he's one we need to hold on to, don't we? And and get the best, you know, get the best season or two out of him before we do cash in. If that's if that's the intention for the younger players we, we bring through, it'd be good to see some more of him first. Go on, pause. You, you look like you've got a fire in it. For me, I think Richard's right there. I think the longer we have him, the the higher the value will go. And so, therefore, Phil Board, let's keep him for a little while and let's see him grow. What do you reckon, Pause? Yeah, I mean, if he starts off next season, I say, they say as he's finished off this one, if he continues like the form, you know, that he's had early season. But yeah, he's one of them. You, you sort of look at Karoma, and you, he's not he's not one of those that you think right. Let's build the team around him because he's he, the position that he plays sort of out on out on the left. He's not really that sort of position, but he is in. He's he's one of those that you've got to. You've got, he's the one to aspire to now in the squad. He's, he's sort of his best player. And we need to to bring on players that we've already got to that sort of level. And obviously, over the summer when we're recruiting, that is that is sort of like, for me, the the, the bar is set at that standard now. Uh, you're obviously always going to have your few star players and stuff, but really we need everybody up to that level to, to have a fighting chance next year. Uh, if, he, if he starts off well and scores some, then January comes. You know, it might be a, it might be a bit of a struggle to hold on to him. Obviously, we, we managed to keep keep Grant longer than we might have expected. So, but obviously, in the end, money talks, and if uh, rumours are to be believed, and you know about money at the club and the, the way that Phil's trying to run it, as in you know buy cheap, sell high, and reinvest, then if you can get double figures for him, it's going to be really difficult to turn down, isn't it? Especially when we do need so many new players. Um, so, if someone comes in over the summer. You know, it could be one. It could be one of maybe two, three at club that we can actually sell. Um, so it, it might it might be a case of the injury if we do stay up might have been a good thing for us in the long run. I know that sounds silly, but if if, if he's missed that many games, clubs might just hold off and see if he can replicate that form over a bit of a longer period. I thought you were going to bring the whole thing down there, Pause. You seem to be going down a slope of, of negativity and then you've saved it. Sorry, draw you in and then bring <laughs> yeah, you up. drew us in. You had us in the first half, but yeah. Um, I, think, so- I think for me, Matt, is to, is to pass all expectations. Um, I was a little bit apprehensive at the start of the season. Uh, it was obviously replacing Kyle and Grant, top goal scorer, kind of the, the talisman of the team, if you like, for the last kind of 18 months. Uh, and Corona had come off the back of... Um, an unproductive spell, one of the better word at Rotherham, not really featured in the Danny Cowley team when he took over, despite us having some quite serious injury problems um, at certain times. So it's, it's great that he's kind of surpassed certainly my expectations. And I think the expectations of the majority of Huddersfield fans and he's become the one or maybe one of two kind of shining lights this season. For me, very much probably player of the year. I hope we can hold on to him. Um, but to kind of, I think, pause his point, if a Premier League club or a club at the top half of the Championship comes in and offers a deal that's kind of, I don't know, eight, nine million pounds plus becomes very difficult to turn down. Higher, higher, higher. And a loan back for three years, it, that'll do. It's tricky, isn't it? Because we've made, I know like we, the, the club have made noise about as strategy. Um, so if a, it's one of those where if, you, if you're a club looking at somebody like Corona, you want to get you want to get in quick, don't you? Because you might get him a little bit cheaper than you might do if you wait. Um, obviously, COVID's affected all clubs, so there's not loads and loads of money knocking around. But you know, these clubs that are coming down, Sheffield United coming down from Premier League, they they might be the ones to sort of take a punt on him. And you know, if you weigh five million in front of us, is it? Although, yeah, you want ten, 
are you realistically going to get that? It'll be more likely five with add-ons, I'd imagine, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, like I say, fingers crossed that injury has just put people off just enough to want them to wait another six months. Uh, a question to you guys. Do you think Sorber Thomas has the potential to emulate Josh Caroma or not? Well, if you look at Josh Caroma last year, I think you've also got to factor in uh, Carlos. I think you've got to give Carlos credit for Josh Caroma as well. I think that's that's one thing. You know, he's um, he's definitely improved. He's fitter, stronger under Carlos. Sorber Thomas, kind of be boring and say time will tell. I, I like I like how... Uh, it is when- very boring. I like, when, I like how when squints in your bum, Matthew, sitting on a fence. I was going to say, I like when Thomas comes on. I like how um, how he goes at people. I like how he's he's got that no fear in him. You know how he wants to impress. Yeah, I, I do like that. I think there's a good player in Sober Thomas. Uh, I hear good things behind the scenes. How he likes to, you know, how he's very keen to improve himself and he takes a lot of things on board. Uh, so I think that's really key. You know, in terms of a footballer, you know, do they want to learn? Do they want to keep striving for? Uh, for, to be greater and, and he does by all accounts so I think there's definitely potential in Sober Thomas so maybe we've got a uh, a pretty decent one in the in the long run there but uh, as of now look if we're safe make give him more minutes I thought it was great when he came on at Norwich it was a real refreshing performance uh, next season yeah maybe but he can play on both flanks so um, yeah I expect him and Danny Grant to push further next season but to the level of Karoma this season I'd be very surprised but you know Let's let's give him something to go for. He's got, you know, Karoma's on the perch. Let's see if Sober Thomas can knock him off. Splinters in the perch. There you go. <laughs> got, got, uh, got Danny Grant, hopefully, to have a look at as well, haven't we? Um, you know, when he finally breaks through, I was looking forward to seeing seeing him, you know. So maybe, maybe there's some light there, but obviously inexperienced players, aren't they? You know, they're not all necessarily gonna gonna have a Karoma start to the season, are they? No. I think, I think yeah, I've got some, I, know, I know very little about Danny Grant um, in the same way I know quite little about Sorba Thomas as well. Um, he's always had a tough run or, or a bad lot of bad luck kind of in his short tenure at Huddersfield, hasn't he? Kind of one injury, I think, came back, didn't he, Matt, in a B-team game, featured for half an hour and pulled his other hamstring. Yeah, he's done both hamstrings, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, so I guess, first and foremost, hopefully gets fit, kind of has a good pre-season and we, and we go from there, really. But... Yeah, kind of in, in a season that's been quite challenging. Hopefully, they're kind of two kind of brief lights to latch onto. <laughs> Next season, yeah. Well, that's the plan, isn't it, Pause. You know, the the plan that they've got in place at the minute is to sell. But if you look at if you ever read Soconomics, which is something that came out years ago, and Nigel Clibbins used to, I think, used to hold a copy, you know, like a Bible, and take <laughs> it round with him, didn't he? At one point, I think every time he went to uh, stayed away, you know, he'd ask for a copy in his top shelf rather than the Bible, but. You know, you, you look at that and they always say that the idea of selling somebody for value is when you've already got someone in the building. And, you know, so if we do sell Josh Caroma, then I do dare say that town may spend, may, may not spend something, but they will then say, look, this replacement's already in the building and he's already building towards taking that. And I think that's the right way to go, don't you, Paz? Yeah, I mean, from, from a financial as, as long point, as As long as the guy's good, good enough, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, obviously you've got to have somebody coming in, you know, to, to fill the boots, um, literally in some you know, in football. Um it's, it's a good it's a good um sort of plan, buy low, sell high. To me though, you've got to if you do sell for a lot of money, you've got to then like I said, have someone who's literally ready to step straight up, or you've got to reinvest that money. 
Otherwise, all you do is you just tread water forever because any good player that comes through, you, you get rid of. And then you start again and then you bring somebody through and, you know, get rid of them. And it just kind of works in, in a cycle of of that. So it depends what happens with the money, doesn't it? That's the crux of, of selling these ways. You're all, we're always going to be, you know, if you look back over at Town's history, there's always that one that we do sell, Kyle and Graham, uh, you know, most recently went, went for decent money. And obviously the situation at club at the moment is probably meant that we haven't reinvested that money like, like we may have done in the past. But... If these youth players that are coming through can stop us, you know, would you would you sell one player for ten million as an argument sake and then buy three players to strengthen the entire squad? Yeah, you do, don't you? And you build a squad of 18, 20 players that are all first team ready. Um, so when we're talking about, you know, selling these players, it depends what happens with that money. If it just goes on normal day-to-day running expenses, then you know, is it worth keeping that player to get you up or you know, progress up the league? It's all, it's all a fine balancing act, isn't it? And there were, there were people there with better insights into finances than any of us on this call right now. Uh, we can speculate on what what might be going on, but you know, until until accounts are published, you, do, you don't know how much money we need to raise. Yeah, and there's like and all that sort of stuff. there's player amortization as well. I can't even, I can never pronounce that word. Amortization. Is it amortization? Rich, you help me out. You're a CEO. CEO. I can't even speak. I can't Amorti- speak. Yeah, amortization, isn't it? Amortization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah mean, so. Really and that means it gets time. drip fed. Yeah, yeah, so that sorry, Rich, go on. No, like, as you say, it means it's drip fed in the, the yep. money, doesn't it? You know, you, you um you pay off the uh, asset over the length of it over the length of the, the term kind of thing. But yeah. I hope they're not gonna I hope Caroma's not gonna go this summer. It feels premature to me. I think we yeah. need another I think we need another season out of him. You know, I think they'd be more likely I think O'Brien would more likely be the one that was that, that was kind of cashed in on for want of a better word and and I've read soccer soconomics it's a good book isn't it and I, I take the point you know the model makes sense you know if you can get good value for players and you and you can find other good ones you can you can sort of get because I don't think players are you can't look at players objectively if they if they have a hot streak it's not necessarily going to continue different players work better at different clubs you know we've seen it in the past haven't we with Torres from Liverpool to Chelsea that kind of thing, you know. I think if if you have a good season and the player's value is at its highest, sometimes that's a good point actually to uh, to cash in because you you're going to get more than they they are actually worth, you know. But I don't, not sure any of our players are quite there because the season's been so dismal, hasn't it? That's the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we should go now to uh, our chat in YouTube just to see what you guys have been saying. So Damien Wells says Saturday was one of the worst performances of the season so far. Schofield having frisbee hands and woeful defending led to the results. Uh, Saturday is huge now a point and we should be safe. I've never heard frisbee hands before. Um, quite like that. Uh, Dan Peckett says someone we play Blackburn. Someone should have told the players. Uh, Steve Blackburn says if we concede and especially early, we have severely psychological issues in turning games around must be addressed as soon as possible. And I guess that's the, uh, that is the issue with, uh, you know, needing leaders uh, throughout the pitch. And we've got them. Keo's there at the back. You know, people might not like him, but he is a leader. Uh, Hoggy's there. He's a leader. Fraser Campbell, you know, the, the, there are enough uh, people there to hopefully carry some through. Um, let's have a look. So Lee Oates doesn't think Schofield is a, a championship goalkeeper. Clubs are now targeting with crosses. Uh, and then we've got Dan Peckett says he does like Schofield. And I'm going to leave that there, Dan, because the rest of it is not very nice towards Ryan Schofield. <laughs> so we all like Ryan Schofield. Um, 
but yeah, uh, Dev makes a good comment there with, uh, you know, your back four needs to have a bit of faith in, in your goalkeeper. But the thing is, you know, playing in front of Nabisar or playing behind Nabisar can't be the easiest thing anyway. Nabi's a, a top class. We, we have we have a thing, Rich, whereby if Nabisar plays well, we'll call him Nabi Moore, you know, after Bobby Moore. And then if he's, if he's terrible, we'll call him Gordon Tuxar, you know, after uh, Gordon <laughs> Tucker, you know, the, the ex-Huddersfield uh, town legend if you like but you know and that's what you get with with Nabisar sometimes he's fantastic um yeah so just scooting through um it is pretty much a lot of the same stuff so Josh Karoma fan club here we've got um Steve Blackburn says Josh Karoma's quality we've missed him and plenty since he was injured uh and Phil Gibson uh, Paul Gibson makes a good point about Karoma and Roe being the biggest positives of this season Aaron Rowe in the last few months we, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago has been a real positive and and when you talk about soconomics as well and you say uh, Josh Caroma gets sold. Aaron Rose very much on the uh, on the fringe now of a, of a bigger breakthrough. So you know we've we've got players who may be able to take on that mantle if we do sell him. Whereas if we sold Harry Toffolo, um, you've seen how we've struggled for a left back this season, and we don't really. Although Ben Jackson scored for Bolton the other day, which was great to see. I don't think we've got anyone ready made yet to come in, so that'll be more more difficult and where that model falls down. So thanks guys for color, uh, for your. Um, Thanks, guys, for your comments. I'm just trying to read them through. I need I need stronger glasses. So it's in this small box. So we'll we'll move on. Um, yeah, and David May says Danny Grant reminded him of Adam Hamill based on his uh, highlight reel. Decent enough threat, very direct. Uh, and Tom Bradshaw, hi Tom, uh, says uh, Sauber Thomas is a very championship player build, which I like. Uh, which I like. It looks strong. We'll be excited to see him a bit more next season. So there we go. And a lot of people mentioning Jordan Rhodes will be up front next season with Josh Caroma. So there we go. And there's a a chat breaking out and uh, there's a Thomas Burhouse as well in the chat box as well, Richard, yeah. keeping an eye on you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's asking, should we keep hold of Bakuna or trigger the extension and then cash in? Um, I think the idea would be to trigger the extension and cash in, but the, the, the issue there is if it's like last summer when nobody actually offers the money you want, you get a player who's not really that bothered for 12 months. It's a, it's a, a dangerous game if... Uh, mm-hmm. It just depends how good your contacts are and how good the the interest is. So let's move on to Carlos Corbran. He now casts a very full-on figure. Uh, I feel a bit sorry for Carlos. There's a picture of him after the game. He looked white as a sheet. He looked really disappointed. You watch the um, interview with Oggy afterwards, his head's down. Um, I don't like to see that. Uh, you know, um, Carlos is not, without this sounding bad, he's not, the most charismatic is he you know, when he comes across his interview like David Wagner you were hanging on every word weren't you Carlos is you kind of dip in and out a little bit when he talks because he's you know got kind of single toned and very to the point you know quite intense but you know he's not a dislikable guy by any stretch of the imagination so when you see somebody who's quite down you do worry a little bit and you know he's the leader around the place um I'll I'll, I'll make this into a bigger point as well pause and we'll bring in some of your stats as well you know there's a lot of anger and disappointment around, you know, there's so many different emotions going around the football club at the moment. There's apathy, you know, people are saying, oh, I'm not renewing season tickets. You know, it's even crossed my mind, you know, not to renew next season. Um, probably will. Uh, you know, you get people who are angry. People want to protest, you know, people talking about protests. I don't know if that's serious at this stage. You know, there's a couple of people, you know, Danny, you know, you know, Danny Greenwood's like, you know, mischief maker, but you don't, you never know who's serious and who isn't. Um, but there's, there seems to be several emotions. I'm just wondering where you guys are at because there's apathy. It sounds like I'm going to start naming dwarfs here, but there's apathy, anger, <laughs> um, all sorts. There's, there's all sorts. 
protest. That's a good name for a, for a, for a dwarf. Where do you guys sit? Because pause, bringing into your stats, you know, one I've got here is, you know, we've seen our expected goals this season. Okay, not everybody buys into expected goals, but it's a decent framework to kind of show where uh, where town maybe should have been this year rather than where we've been. It, it gives a, a fair balance or as fair a balance as what there is out there. And it says that we've got the sixth worst attack this season and the third worst defence. So it shows that we're not great at either end of the pitch at the minute, which is obviously a worry. Um, if we'd have had Karoma firing all season, obviously that makes a difference as do the centre-back injuries. But pause, this is where this is why town fans are starting to be a bit depressed as well. You know, it is depressing, you know, coming onto this podcast every week, talking about a 7-0, a 5-2, etc. It's it's hard to put a positive spin on it. It's hard to keep coming back and be nice to everybody, you know, without feeling angry and you know and, and wanting to lash out because you've got a platform. And um, but obviously with a platform comes some form of responsibility as well. So you have to be balanced. Uh, but you've got some stats here which make for a reading and, and a, an understanding as to why town fans are just a bit miffed at the minute. And it's just a it's just a case of um, when it rains it pours, isn't it? Yeah, I think, like you say, Carlos, you know, seems a little bit downbeat and, you know, take a step back and you just kind of think, well, he's the manager. If he's feeling like that, then he's the person responsible for sorting that out. He picks the team, he picks the tactics. If they're not working, he's got to do better at his job. You know, no one else can really assist him in that. You know, he's got his backroom staff and stuff, but ultimately he is the, he's the manager. Um, so... It's up to him to to make it better. Um, but yeah, coming on to sort of the wider point with regards to the feeling within the fan base, I'd, I'd sort of after matches and stuff like that, you sort of think, oh, you know, let's try and analyse what's going on. Why, why is it going wrong? Why are we like this? Why are we in this particular state as it stands? And I know we've, we've chatted a few times sort of off air saying that there's just that many things at the moment that you, you can't really put your finger on one, two, or even three things. It just seems to be pretty much everything is, is just not quite right. You know, there's been a lot of injuries, there's recruitment. Is it as good as what it can be? Does, is Carlos as good as he was made out to be? Is the messages coming out of the club from the, the top of the hierarchy right? You know, there's all these kind of things all all intermingle and it just seems to be to be a bit of a mess. Snowballs, doesn't it though? Little, little, yeah, you, you, little you look back over, yeah. you know, last, last three years, we'll, we'll go with that quite a decent time for him to look at. Obviously, one of those were, were Premier League season where we were, you know, pretty pathetic. I think when they won three matches in that, so it kind of does bring him down. But over the last three years, played 128. We've only won 28 games. Drawn 30. We've lost 70. Um, scored, we've only scored 121 in three seasons and, and conceded 214. Um, on average, we're looking at a, playing 4.6, well, four and a half games per win, which as a fan, you know, call it one in five if, if you want to round it up. It's one win in five going into a season. It's not really going to entice you to, you know, to get down and, and buy a season ticket. Um, like I say, a lot of that were, you know, one season with Premier League where we were abysmal. So you just go back under two seasons and again, it doesn't mean not much better. 90 played, only won 25. Drawn 23, lost 42. We haven't even scored 100 goals. We sit on 99 at the moment. Um, and against, it's it's 1-3-8. Um, so, I think I mentioned last week on my little rant that I did to you, Matt, which you, which you played on air. The, I've still got the... Uh, hang on. 
You've still got the little ogre theme tune, have you? There you go. I think the thing that you look for most... Have layers. <laughs> another sorry, example. Sorry, of another dropped bollocks. I think the thing that you, as a fan, it's all about hope, isn't it? I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's just a hope. You can be you can be terrible one season, and you get to May, and you have a couple of weeks away, and you sit there and you think, oh, that was crap, that, I'm never going again. And then June comes round, and July comes round, and by August you think, tell you what, this season we're, we're going to get promoted, we're going to win league. Um, and that, that's that's generally the cycle of a football fan, isn't it? Over the summer you, you sign a few players and you, your hopes and expectations reignite, and that's what kind of gets you moved for it. But I just don't, I just don't feel that will happen that, this summer with the fan base, given what's happened for three consecutive seasons now. Um Obviously, recruitment's a massive one for this summer. Recruitment over the last sort of the last few years hasn't been great, so there's no real hope that that's going to improve. Um, same people, effectively, rumors, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's basically the same people. So why will that suddenly come to fruition? Your head of, your head of football players. operations has changed three times, you know, two or three times in the last three years. But the same people behind mm-hmm. that, the head of recruit, you know, the head of recruitment is still there, and his team are still there. So, you know, the, yeah, the exactly. argument is: so do they get better or? You need a lot of players as well. It's not like we think, oh, if we can just get one or two in, we might be all right. Looking at the players that are going to leave, we're looking at, you know, 11, well, certainly 10 plus to make just a squad up of decent numbers. And then are they going to be? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Enough quality. I think one of the things that dramatically let us down this season is when the first or perceived first eleven have been missing. The guys that are coming through are just nowhere near good enough, and we need us. We need at least twenty players that are championship quality. Otherwise, we're just going to struggle again. And why would you? Why would you bother giving up your time, your money, all that effort just to have another season like this? I mean, Rich Simon, you know, feel free to come in and and either echo my thoughts or go against them. But for me. You know, like you say, I, I'll get a season ticket because it's just what you do, isn't it? You go and you're good and you go and you're bad. But I won't be going this season with any hope or expectation. And it'll be one of them that if we continue as we've done for the last three years, although I'll have my season ticket, I've probably missed games. Whereas before it were, you know, you'd move heaven and earth, you'd finish work early, you'd rearrange stuff to get to the match. Whereas now, probably won't bother, which is sad, really. How about, how about you guys, Rich? What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I know where you're coming from, you know, and I, I read it all as well. And everyone's everyone's obviously really upset, aren't they? And I tend to be an optimist where the club's concerned, because otherwise I don't really see the point of being of having a team, you know, if you if it's just going to bring you down. So I, I tend to look on the bright side, and and that's it's been difficult, hasn't it? The second part of the season. I mean, I think we're still we're still clearly not reached the bottom from the Premier League 
problems we had in that second season. So you know that yeah. first season there was supposedly about a kind of a kind of reset, and the Cowleys came in and and kept us up to try and stop the uh, the plunge through the league. And this season, I, I think it started really brightly. You know, it felt like well, actually, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. As I said earlier, I, I saw a lot of the the best individual, you know, the best team goals I can remember. To be honest, you know, since since promotion certainly and possibly before that, you know, there were some cracking goals. There and I thought, yeah, this this guy knows what he's doing. You know, we're good, but clearly, you know, as as positive, we were really let down with the this this depth. I think they gambled, you know, because we were because clearly we're short of money, probably because of the pandemic. And they thought they had a look at it on paper and thought we've got enough here. And I think you could argue up until Christmas we probably did have enough, but as soon as the injuries bit, the one the lads to come through are just they're just not good enough, are they? They're not they're not up to the standard necessary to carry a championship team. So do you think the rich that might be quite good in the just very briefly in the long run because we've seen Aaron Rowe haven't we it's all of a sudden burst through in that you know because he's had increased game time he's burst through um Sauber Thomas is a bit so there is a slight argument it could benefit us in the long run I guess as long as well, we stay up. I get the feeling the the gamble it's it's not great is it to feel like if we stay up they'll fit the the management would feel the gamble's paid off, but perhaps they will because it is it is unprecedented times, you know. And, and if we get these guys off the books who clearly don't want to be here, are costing us a lot of money, we need that kind of reset. And I, I just think fans' memories are pretty short. I'm still Saturday was was hurtful really because I thought we I thought we were good for at least a draw, and I think that that has knocked my optimism a little bit more than it had done before. And I thought if we'd have seen the season out, you'd have been a lot, a lot more confident but even the criticism that the recruitment team get and I, I don't know any of them but we've spent the first 10-15 minutes talking about all the good prospects we've bought coming yep. through so they don't do everything badly do they you know and, and I loved watching Iting I think he's fantastic you know he's a class above when when he's on his game so it's not all terrible and I do think there's the effect the pandemic's had has meant a lot of people have got a lot of time on their hands they're spending it mm-hmm. on social media they like, you know, social media encourages uh, it encourages people to shout loudly and negative. Uh, being negative travels a lot further than being positive. I just feel like there's there's a, there is a bit of an overreaction. You know, I think it is bad, and the and the stats bear that out. But I don't think all hope is lost yet. Let's get let's get these guys off the books who don't want to be here. Invest the money wisely. Give us a full preseason and see how we get on. The worry is, you know. You can't let him have the whole season, probably. So if he gets 10, 20 games in and it's looking bad, he's probably got to go. But do we really want to start all this hunt for a manager? Mm. You know, then pay off all his staff, pay him off, get rid of his plate. I don't want to go through that cycle again. And I saw enough early on in the season that I thought he's got something about him, but maybe he needs an addition, you know, like a a management figure. And so Carlos becomes a bit more of a, of a coaching head uh, and there's and there's someone else in there but I don't know whether he'd want to work like that we, we don't know do we I don't know but mm. yeah that, that's how I'm kind of feeling it's um we had a get, bit of a gamble and I mean hopefully it looks like we're staying up doesn't it but it, it, it the, the back half of the season's been a bit like the Premier League years hasn't it the second Premier yeah. League it's just felt a bit desperate at times yeah definitely and, and like I said things snowball don't they as well and you know sentiment carries if you like and there's people who 
who are a bit unsure and they see a lot like I, I sometimes I'm a bit unsure and then you get swayed a little bit with the crowd, don't you? And, and things, I guess that's just the, the nature of social media. And, but, you know, I think some of it is obviously very, um, very right. You know, fans are very right to be able to feel that way for me as well. And I don't think any of us would say that they're not, um, but it's a very interesting, interesting time, but for the wrong reasons, you would guess Simon, uh, you, you know, we, we've taken some hammerings this year. So some of the, some of the performances at the second half of this year are worse than worse, worse in memory, I would say, some of them. Yeah, I mean, I think, just to come back to your original question, Matt, um, around kind of Carlos's persona, for me, what's really evident when he kind of speaks um, to the press post-games and on the touchline is that he cares, he genuinely cares. You can tell the performances the results, the points tally, the goal difference, whatever it may be, really matters to him. Um, and I think kind of it perhaps um, demonstrates that more than other managers previously. So I think that's kind of a, a kind of a personality trait to admire. I think for me, and this might be more a reflection of me as a person than anyone else, I sense he's trying to overcomplicate things at times. I look at the formations week in, week out. I watch him on the touchline. He's forever tinkering with things. He's forever kind of asking players to play in different positions. He's forever shouting at people, do this, do that. And I almost feel as though it's an overload of information that led that has led to some confusion. Um, and in lots of walks of life, football, I don't think any different. I think simplicity can be quite key. Um, yes, he's been hampered by the injuries we spoke about. To what extent is his training um, the cause of those injuries? I don't really know, but that's something that's obviously been rumoured for a little while now. Um, and the fact is perhaps flogging a little people a little bit too hard. But for me, I get an overriding sense that he cares. But look, you put me, you put you, you put Rich, put pausing the job, we all care. And, and sometimes caring is not enough. I'd like to see him probably given a go at the start of next season. I think to Rich's point, a load of upheaval in the summer is only props going to set us further back than it is take us forward because um, it will take time to bring in new coach and staff kind of and convey their ideas around recruitment, etc. Detracts from the recruit player recruitment. Yeah, exactly. But but let's be kind of clear in the same way, Jan's first eight, nine games were really important for him in that second season and ultimately didn't last the test of time. I think the, the first eight, nine games of, of kind of Carlos' season next year, next year will be key. And let's hope the fixture list is kind to him because if we pull out kind of the three relegated teams in those first eight fixtures, the pressure can mount quite quickly. Yeah, good points. I thought that's so. I was going to say there, what Sai said, just follow up. It kind of links into what Rich was saying. You don't want to, you don't want to have a revolving door in management as well because, you know, that'll be, if you look at just Phil's tenure, that'd be, that'd be three managers gone and he's only been in charge. Yeah, he gets a reputation then as a. You know who's going to want to come in because if you don't do well, you know we've tried a, we've tried a Cowley's where it's a little bit probably, you know boring football but grinds out results. Then we've tried a Carlos that's flamboyant and didn't really get results. So what sort of, you know I like a club to have an ethos. I like a manager to be there and we play this style of football and, and changing from style to style to style. You put players on three-year contracts and a manager comes in and they're not the players for him. You sat with them like we are now for another couple of seasons and. Can the new guy come in and do what he needs to do with those players and stuff? So I think I think he will be given time. And I think Phil's pretty much come out and said that it'll be given time. But yeah, he's, he's doubled treble down on it, really, hasn't he? 
Yeah. I think for me, Matt, where I really struggle is that I look at the players who signed predominantly in January. And for me, they've done align with Carlos's style of football and what he's trying to achieve. Stop gaps, though, because of injuries, weren't they, a lot of them? Yeah, because of injuries. And I guess there's some kind of short-term thinking there and understand why that would be the case, getting us over the line this season. But I look at signings like Richard Keogh, the back end of his career, I look at signings like Sonogo and Nias, kind of big target men strikers. And I kind of think what the vision, as I understood it to be, was kind of fast, kind of sexy football, for one of a better phrase. And I look at what we've signed and, and there's some kind of disparity there. And, and I guess as a fan right now, I'm a little bit confused as to what I'm going to see next season. Am I going to see uh, a switch back to the fast, sexy style of football, which we kind of we saw at the start of the season, and to Rich's point, was really, really good and great to watch. Or am I going to see kind of a continuation of this kind of more pragmatic style with kind of these, to an extent, journeymen footballers kind of who struggle to hold down the club, etc. Yeah, and of course, Jordan Rhodes is the big, uh, big link as well, and that doesn't really seem to align with what we saw pre-Christmas, does he? Yeah, and it's just that where that disconnect between what we thought was going to happen, what I think Carlos wants to achieve, what then is coming through the door from a recruitment point of view. I think that just kind of perhaps creates a sense of confusion and perhaps creates a sense of frustration amongst the fans and, and maybe leads to some of this, this unrest. And look, let's kind of hopefully get out the back end of the season. I think speak for a lot of people, I'm just fed up now, I want it all done, I'm ready for a break. Um, and, and hopefully we can kind of see a bit more articulation, implementation of a, of a plan. Um, that would be my yeah. hope anyway. Yeah, well said, so. You're, you're right, and it, it is confusing for fans, isn't it? And Keo clearly was a, a stick in plaster. You know, we've got a problem here. Things are going really well. We've gambled. It's gone wrong. We need to put a stick in plaster on this. And then I suppose to double down with Holmes, who, who potentially can fit Carlos's style. I just I don't know what you think, Matt. I'm really reminded of Sokonomics, actually, to bring it back to that book again. <laughs> You have to read it again at this rate. It's been that long. They've clear, they've clearly, You're on commission, Rich. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not on commission. No, they, they've clearly been so damaged by you know, the high earners we've brought in in the Premier League not settling at the club, that, they, that they're, trying to, they're trying to cut the percentages. If you bring back someone who's already been there, he's definitely going to know what he's coming to. So he's got a good chance of success. You know, and that, that is real Soconomics thinking to me. They, they've thought on their feet and done that but to the fans it, it doesn't look good does it but it it, it works it, it works you know rather than going to pick loads of Spanish players loads of French players and 50% of them not settling in the area you know that Dwayne Holmes Richard Keogh yeah. well Jordan Rose potentially know exactly what they're coming to and I think that's the thinking I mean it's probably born out of us not having a lot of cash to spend so try and lower the percentages of them being failures let's let's you know spend it wisely and I know it's confu- it has been confusing though because Keogh, he, he doesn't fit into the progression of the club. He's just been brought back as a sticking plaster, it appears, doesn't it? To, to get us to limp to the end of the season because we had a real problem that uh, we were yeah. shipping to. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, only, the only thing I say to that, Rich, is I think the majority of fans, so I agree with everything you say, but I don't think fans almost want Huddersfield Town Football Club to be treated as a business and to play percentages in the transfer market. I think fans want to see some excitement, some ambition, something that's an unknown quantity because it may be the best thing science bread. read. It may, it may be a shite as well, let's be honest. But like that unknown element excites people and puts bums on seats. And having watched what we've watched 
in the case of Dwayne Holmes three seasons ago, in the case of Jordan Rhodes, what, six, seven seasons ago. So it, it, it's kind of, it's, it's great. It's logical from a business point of view, but it's not necessarily going to win the hearts and minds of fans, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely see where you're coming from. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm just trying to kind of justify in my head why they might have done it. And obviously, first few games Holmes came back, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe he's, he's a lot more physical. And I, and I don't want to write him off yet. I think there's more... More to come from Dwayne Holmes, but I wasn't massively sad to see him leave the first time because I felt he was lightweight, you know. So I think he's one of the players who's great in a team when you when you're on top and, and and you can have the luxury of a player like Holmes bursting from the middle. But in a battle, perhaps perhaps he's not been perfect for us, you know. Uh, but I, I really don't know. I, don't I think know just on just on Dwayne, I, I spoke to uh, the second tier podcast uh, guys the other day as well, and they they asked how Dwayne was going, and <clears throat> as I said, yeah, not. Not great, really. Uh, and they said to me in his, uh, I think it was his first season at Derby, he played central midfield uh, consistently week in, week out. And he was there, he said, probably their player of the season. And they got into the playoffs that year. And then the season after, they kept shunting him out wide, you know, and they said he's not a winger. And then they kept trying to play him off the front and all over the place. And he had a very similar time to what he's having now. So I think potentially there is that issue that the Carlos has got where he's got too many midfielders in there at the minute. Uh, you know, Lewis O'Brien's obviously the, the number one, you know, he's not going to drop Jonathan Hogg and uh, he's playing Carol Iting. So I think when Dwayne settles in the side in, in the role that he was picked for, we'll, we'll probably, I'll probably judge him, judge him from there. Cause I think he's not, not really been utilized as, as what he would, he would want to be. But yeah, I agree with uh, a lot of stuff there. I thought there was some good, some good chat. Uh, I think the character of the squad is quite important as well, uh, Rich, you know, which is, you know, you bring back players like Danny Ward, et cetera, and you know what you, you know what you're buying back into, don't you? It, in effect, obviously we didn't know he was going to be injured for most of the season, but you know, in we terms did. of character. We did, though, Matt, let's be honest. We all yeah. called it that he'd be injured for most of the season. Well, his injury no, wasn't that I, bad I, I, until. I disagree with yeah. bringing players back if they're going to be if they're there for the right reasons. But, you know, the rumours behind that why Danny Ward came back, you know, because he wanted to move back to area. Jordan Rhodes, he's local, he's back end of his career, he did well for us. They just seem really lazy, lazy signings. And, you know, I take on what Rich says, you know what you're getting from that player, and that player kind of knows what he's getting from the club. But like Jordan Rhodes, he hasn't hasn't been here for, you know, what, seven, eight years? So the, the whole makeup of the club will be totally different. You know, it's different yeah. management team, different. I think it comes different down to money because a, a lot of players demand relocation fees as well. You know, I, I remember, yeah, uh, I'm not going to name the player, but there was one player who wanted a, a 200 grand relocation fee. He came on a free transfer when Dean was, you know, pretty early on in his tenure. And it, it get, I think they bought uh, towards a house, you know, to move back over. And he got this relocation fee and never relocated. He, he traveled in from uh, as part of the car school every day. So, you know, players for you. Um, so I imagine that, that that will be a struggle. It might be one of the reasons, might not, you know, who knows. But it might be good just to return to YouTube because uh, a certain Mr. Richard Cosmala is running amok in the in the comments section of uh, of YouTube. Um, there's a rumor here from Mike Terrier 7 and 2 says, rumors Aidy Boothroyd has watched the last two games as a replacement. Look, if Aidy Boothroyd enters this football club, I think that might be my time to leave because I, I just can't. He was one of the first fullbacks I ever saw live, you know, standing in the cow shed, but as a manager, I just I just find him terrible, unpalatable. I think you know Eddie Hoofroyd is the name that sticks, and hopefully he's nowhere near Huddersfield going forward. Uh, so let's have a look what else we're getting. So um, yeah, the modernist colorist um, say he, he mentions uh, that you know 
Karoma probably needs a nimble striker up there rather than a, a Jordan Rhodes type. And and maybe Carlos is just uh, experiencing the inexperience, uh, first senior job, and maybe it's something he'll reflect on over the summer and learn. And, you know, I know uh, who the modernist colorist, and he's just trying to drop seeds of his Jerry Yates propaganda in there. He's a massive Jerry Yates fan from Blackpool. Uh, yeah, and uh, obviously that A.D. Boothroyd uh, bombshell didn't go down too well in uh, in all of this. But Dave May says as well, Dave, I'm, I'm sure Dave's a, a used car salesman. I haven't seen Dave for ages on uh, on social media. Um, always a secret town fan, Dave, although I used to reckon he was a Chelsea fan. He says, all you need to do is look at the form table over the last 20 and 25 games. Puts us 23rd. I think there's only Bristol City are worse than us at the minute. Um, form is temporary, class is permanent. Can we get away with saying that? Maybe <laughs> maybe not on this occasion. Um, a couple of others saying Carlos has been found out. Um, but Mr. Cosmala would rather Umbro out than Carlos at the minute. So, you know, that's on to our next subject now. <laughs> Why is he, what's his beef with Umbro? I, I mean, I've got idea. no idea. He's, I don't know. Maybe don't get around his man boobs properly or something, you know, and the shirts that come up. <laughs> but it's not that I can talk. But he's... Um, yeah, he liked Puma, but when, when I used to scout for Huddersfield, he used to get all the training kits. He used to have to go out in all the training kits and stuff. And Puma was horrible, you know. They, you know, to like a, in terms of fitting, they would give you a, you know, and it used to make you feel really sort of horrible because you used to have to get like two sizes bigger than what your normal size is because otherwise it wouldn't fit because they're all they're all over. But Umbro, my favorite kits that I've ever got are the favorite, uh, you know, training tops and stuff. I've always been Umbro. I think their their stuff's really really good and we'll we'll move on and cos is asking us to name positives as well stop being so negative i think he's uh he's aiming at and he's been egged on pretty much by the whole group there as well including a mr thomas burhouse so <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh yeah so dag barnett says paul has uh paul phil helgkinson has been in charge for two seasons now and we haven't seen much to give us hope for the future if there was something to cling on to it would be a start sadly um that's he's been realistic not negative and i understand why he would uh it would do that. And Cosy says, give Guardiola, Richard Keogh and Danny Ward and let's see what he can do. I think I would love to see someone like <laughs> Guardiola just go, do you know what? Man City, I've made my money. I'm going to go to Morecambe <laughs> and see what I can do. I would I'd love, just, it's never going to happen, but I would love a manager just to go, do you know what? Chesterfield, that's where I'm going to be next. <laughs> Fantastic, wasn't it? Nothing against Chesterfield. Uh, yeah, but, um, yep. Yeah, so Steve Blackburn's put Magic Rock Beer. That's a positive going forward. So there we go, Rich. Um yeah, Cosy says we won the last 30 minutes 1-0, lads. Take the positives. Yeah, thanks, Cosy. He's on a lineup in here. And Umbro out as well. Umbro out, Bookter boys, we are here. Uh, so told you he's running a mock. I think he's had a drink. I think he's been on the magic rock as well, judging by <laughs> judging by this. So um I think that Umbro deal's quite a good deal, just coming back to that. I don't see any problem with it. The it's good to nail down a kit supplier. It's one job less to worry about every season. Who's going to be supplying your kit? There's, you know, continuity. It's a decent brand. So, you know, fair play for that. At least something's gone right this season. Yeah, because he's definitely on the lash. He's absolutely taken over here. So, <laughs> it's 100%. Um, yeah, so Umbro. So, what do we think of Umbro? So, I, I put a, a very quick poll out just to just to gauge opinion on this uh, to see if Cos is in the... Uh, See if he's uh, in the the groundswell of opinion or whether he's in his own little corner as usual uh, with his own opinions. Uh, and so far, eighty six point eight percent say that they're quite happy with Umbro. So you know, good stuff. Um, I like Umbro. I think we all like Umbro. Sick, you know, decent, uh, decent kit. Looks pretty good uh, behind Rich at the moment as well. Does that Umbro kit? You know, so it's all. Good. I've got. I don't know what people are complaining about. The shirts have been have been decent recently, haven't they? Seem alright. I, I, I never wear one. There's one on the wall. I'll have to ask Thomas, see what he puts in the chat. 
I think I think they've been all right, yeah. yeah. And, and as you say, good to get longer term stuff tied up. You know, that's the new commercial guy coming in who I've who I've met seems to be on it, you know, and the club needs to generate some funds and sort this kind of stuff out, doesn't he? So don't they? So yeah. Yeah. Ian, Bert- Ian Bertley stepped in and <clears throat> I think sometimes town fans are uh, maybe a bit sus- suspicious. Is that the right word of, you know, when a, a new director or a new head role comes in and you don't hear from them? I think town fans are like, what's this guy doing? What's he doing? But we, you can see the impact Ian Bertley's having, can't you? You know, straight away, front of shirt sponsor, back of shirt sponsor, Umbro extended. It's good work, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, it's what the club needs, isn't it? And I suppose it's a difficult uh, task he's been given off the back of a pandemic with lots of businesses not with spare money to spend on things as frivolous as, as football clubs you know so fair play to him if he's if he's sorting anything out yeah absolutely it's so what was... planning, though, doesn't it? which is something we've been lacking massively over the last few seasons it's like you say hats off to him if he's managed to nail down a four-year deal for a kit and you know shirt sponsor in advance of next season he can now concentrate his efforts on other stuff so you know fair play to him yeah, from my point of view, kind of, I think Umbra's um, a good partner to have. I think the, the shirts are, are a quality. I think perhaps where some of the fans' frustration may come from is that Umbra, like a lot of suppliers these days, have templates that, that they that you work to. So essentially, they would come to you with a series of templates and you need to pick one of those. I think the era of working with smaller manufacturers who would design a bespoke kit for you are, are gone, sadly. Um I think kind of clubs bigger than Huddersfield Town will have to adhere to certain templates provided by the big kind of companies. So um, it's a way of working. Not many of those, side, to be honest. Not many of those clubs about. No, very true, mate. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think it's a, a good deal to be done. And um, I think the point around kind of now being able to focus on some other areas to generate some revenue is a really good one. I put Cozzy in timeout and the, the chat's right gone quiet now. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're writing a list of things to complain about at town at the moment, that's no, it's definitely. I think it's a good thing. I, I understand, think it's a <laughs> if good that's thing. That's all Cosy's got to moan about the kit. Then he's doing better than what I have. <laughs> oh, the kit, the porter cabins. He, he loves. He loves a good random moan. This is why he's good on the podcast. He comes up with some angles that you would never think is uh, is a good laugh. But he'll have to be a good laugh in two minutes because he's in a two minute timeout now on the on the <laughs> chat. Just so I can read the comments. Sorry, Cosy, I just can't get through the comments because it's just bing, 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 bing on there. So no, fantastic. It looks as well that people are uh, people are quite happy with. Uh, with Umbro, just saying what happened to Bukta. Yeah, what did happen to Bukta? Um, Hummel do some decent ones these days. They, they, they bring some decent ones. Was, was, was Bukta the one that had the Central Murfield kit? I mean, that, that was... Yeah, that was a 80s before... Um, was it before Greenalls? I remember Greenalls yeah. was... I think I the know. first one was Beaver, was it, that I had? East Beaver used to make the uh, the Greenalls one from 1990, 1991. It, it, was, it was bad at chafing, was the Central Murfield one, I remember. <laughs> Even as a you know six or seven year old or whatever, it was yeah that was a rough rough uh, texture to it. <laughs> I'm getting messages now to free Cosy. This is going wrong in the chat. So Cosy's been yeah. Here we go, free Cosy hashtag brilliant. Uh, he'll be back in about thirty seconds. Uh, right, okay. So uh, we'll go to next. So we're all happy with Umbro. I think it's a good deal. Um, good kits. You know, I think we might see. Uh, people people talk about their own. You know, my mate Tom, he, he mentions, you know, he, he wants black socks every time. You know, if he's in charge of Huddersfield, it's black socks every year. And then you hear other people go, it's the wrong shade of blue. It's you know, it's one of those where you'll never come, you know, everyone will never be happy with one kit. You know what I mean? It's just 
it's just one of those things, isn't it? A kit. Um, as long as it's blue and white stripes, I think it's it's halfway there. So um, the next thing on the agenda and the final thing is the Huddersfield Town Supporters Association had nominated the stadium to be an asset of community value. Um, some people, I, without reading the website, I, I, you know, you know, what I'm like website, pff, too much work. So I just went straight to uh, <laughs> Alistair Bell from the HTSA and did a, a little interview with him. So what I'll do is I'll loop through the interview that I did with Alistair and then we'll, uh, we'll have a chat with it when this is finished. Alistair, you recently nominated the John Smith Stadium to be an asset of community value. Why did you choose to do this and what are the benefits for the stakeholders in the stadium, the fans and the community? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah, I guess I should start explaining what ACV status or asset community value status uh, is. Uh, so to those who aren't aware, uh, it means a property can't be sold without community groups like HSA being informed um, of the wish to sell and for those groups being given the right to submit a rival bid. Uh, so when it's put up for sale, uh, community groups have got six weeks to scrutinise the sale and decide if they want to make a bid themselves. Uh, if they decide to make a bid, they've got six months to raise that money. Um, the seller doesn't have it to accept their bid, though. Um, but what the process does do, it opens up uh, the sale, really, to public scrutiny and oversight. And just make sure there's transparency over an asset that you know matters to the public. Uh, on top of this, uh, ACV status can be used as a reason to refuse any planning permission or demolition. Um yeah, we're not suggesting there's any danger of demolition at the moment. And the current and proposed stadium uh, ownership arrangements, they're not worrying us uh, at all at this time. But we know as town fans, a lot can happen in five to ten years. Uh, so we decided to nominate the stadium as an ACV just to make sure it's protected sort of against anything that might happen in the future. And something's always there. Stay at home is always there for the football club, the rugby club, the wider community. Uh, I've got to say, Tristan Wooler, uh, from the HSA board, he deserves deserves a lot of the credit for filling in all the paperwork, and there was a massive amount for him, a lot of hoops to jump through. Uh, but now we've done that; it's on the register for assets of community value. Um, so restrictions being placed on the land registry and the property for the next five years, uh, when Tristan will then have to start filling in paperwork all over again. Uh, but on a serious note, it can be extended. There we go. So important things happening uh, with the stadium. So it's really part of uh, fan power, really, to, you know, I think when you look at football supporters and and really what what do football supporters matter in the grand scheme of things? You know, are, are we just commodities, customers? You know, there's a lot of different ways that supporters are viewed, uh, you know, by football clubs, you know, not, not all good, you know, in, in a lot of cases. Um, what this will do is it will allow the fans a little bit of power with regards to the stadium uh it's it's there really to design and protect you know the uh, the stadium because it's now an asset of Huddersfield Town's community um it doesn't stop current shareholders from swapping shares so if Phil wanted to give Ken Davy 40% for whatever reason it doesn't stop that it doesn't do anything with the current is from from what i know uh, if the club goes into administration though it should be protected under the terms of the community value you know, so they can't just sell that off uh, and essentially it stops, you know, if Kirkley's, you know, I won't pick just on Phil, you know, if, if Kirkley's or Ken Davey wanted to sell their percentage to an American investor for an amount, it then allows, you know, you know the council then have to alert, uh, you know, the HTSA guys 
about that. And then, you know, it gives a supporters group a chance to rival that bid. Obviously, a supporters group is going to struggle to rival what the stadium is worth. But at, la- at least it allows a sense of openness and transparency about what's going on. And then, you know, you don't find out that somebody sold a share, you know, 40% share of the stadium for two pounds to themselves a couple of years later as by accident. You know, that is pretty much who knows, who knows? I've just started a Huddersfield Giants podcast, so I have to be nice. <laughs> so, you know, so the, I think this is a really positive step forward. Uh, they've also announced a, a state, you know, a, um, a st- sustainability program as well, which we'll look into maybe in the, in the next week or forthcoming weeks. But for me, there's, there's positive steps happening here and things like this, when you've got a fan in charge like Dean or Phil, I know people have got their opinions on both at the minute, but you do generally think these guys have got your best interests at heart, but you know, you don't know where you're going to be, you know, five, six, seven, eight years down the line or who owns the club. And I think things like this are really important to, to give the fans, you know, something, some power and, and a decision and, and make the fans count again. So what do you guys first, I know there's a lot of information just thrown at you there, but I'd be interested to know what people think online and what people think about, um, about this in general? I have to see the negatives, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I've, I've, um, I was quite pleased pleased to read it on, on Twitter earlier. Um, I know it's used uh, quite extensively in the, in the pub business. I've seen it happening before. You know, pubs are obviously in the same category, seen as community assets often. And I think, um, yeah, anything that brings the, the fans and, you know, as kind of, Stakeholders, if you want to use that word, closer to the closer to the club's got to be seen as a good thing, hasn't it? I suppose. Yeah, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to play devil's advocate and think why it would be bad. Um, I mean, I suppose if we'd have done it to Leeds at Leeds Road, would we still be in Leeds Road? And, but you know, it's in the cir- circumstance we're in now with a relatively new stadium, or that's showing some signs of age. Uh, I think it, it does need protecting. You know, it's in it's seen as very important to people's lives isn't it and um i can't wait to get back in there and watch him play so yeah i get yeah. it yeah pause uh you know you you are the man at the front of the cowshed loyal with the, the megaphone etc so things like this are obviously important to to you as well to to have that home um what did you see of this and obviously well not obviously but this doesn't impact huddersfield town's ability to take over running of the stadium as well so any changes that um you you guys would make with you know the well, maybe not John Robinson, you know, he's not always the most forth, most forthcoming, is he, with, with stuff. But, you know, if you wanted to take something to to the stadium, it's, you know, there's going to be no ch- no changes. So, you know, it's not going to change anything with hosting the flags and et cetera, so that, you know, that you guys keep to one side. You know, it's, it seems like a good move for, for the Cowshed Loyal as well. It shouldn't really alter or, or spoil anything for you guys. And I suppose, you know, having extra people on board and in that, you know, when it comes to taking parts of the stadium as well obviously this is not specifically what it's about but it's about more about fan power and about where you want to be in the stadium and and, you know it's all it's all positive really yeah um there's i can't really see any negatives in it whatsoever the the, just for the transparency purposes as as rich touched on more than anything uh you've seen stadiums transfer hands through companies Bury, for example, I think Derby owner managed to sell stadium Sheffield Wednesday. If I if I've understood that situation correctly, and, you know, obviously a stadium itself, it's probably more the land that's the value for for whoever wants to buy it rather than an actual stadium. Because what more can you do with them play football? Obviously concerts and stuff like that. But the more fans have um, 
say in a football club, the better for me. You, you've only got to look at recent events in the, you know, uh, Premier League in regards to the ESL submission, and there's a lot of people talking about you know 50 plus one voting rights and stuff coming in, and mm. any any sort of fan power, in my opinion, is the the club belong. I mean. Dean used to say it, you know, the, he's just a custodian, the, fan, the club belongs to the fans and you know, that, that might sort of come back and bite him, bite him in pub now with what's going on and stuff like that. You talk about Dean and Phil being fans, uh, yeah, they are fans, but first and foremost, and certainly with what's happening with regards to Dean taking his money back, they are businessmen as well and does money rule fan and it seems that it does in football quite a lot of times. So anything that can protect the club from that situation occurring, you know, I think as it stands, we only own 40% anyway, but if somebody wanted to to buy that 40% or the Giants 40% and, the, you know, that would be 80% then that they could get hold of, we can, as fans, maybe, even if it just makes it more awkward, it might just put people off. I don't, like you said, I don't think a fan group would be able to raise the, the amount needed to rival a bid and own it. But if, it, if someone's wanting to come in and make a quick sale, it's obviously not going to be a quick sale now, is it? So from that aspect alone, for me, it's, it's definitely a positive. And I can't really see... The only negative is that poor fellow who has to fill out forms out again, really, in a, in a few years' time. Tristan, <laughs> yeah. Bless you, Tristan, for uh, you know for all the work that, <laughs> that you have to do. Uh, Simon, f- send, f- finish, this, uh, finish this off for us and let us know if how important you think this is. Yeah, I mean, I share the views of Rich and Paz, really. Just... just very little I can see as to why you wouldn't progress down this road. Um, the only build I would have is that it, it seems quite commonplace amongst a number of other football clubs. A quick Google tells me Hillsborough, Ellen Road, um, the Valley, um, et cetera, et cetera, all have similar status and have done for it for a few years now. So, no, so if you want to look for a negative, speaking of Valley, look at Valley Parade and you, you Google Valley Parade and it'll come up the owner, the Gordon Gibb Pension Fund. And that's almost like, you know, I know we like to laugh at Bradford because, you know, they spent more time in League Two in the last couple of years than we have in our history, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But on a serious note, you don't want anything like that. Well, you don't want it to happen to Bradford, really, but you don't really, you definitely don't want it to happen to, to Huddersfield Town, whereby, you know, the, the gate receipts are... are you know, topping some, well, not not necessarily what's happening, but, you know, the topping up somebody's bank account or he's holding it to ransom. And, you know, this is... A really Once you get into that situation, it? Matt, it's very difficult to unpick it then as well, isn't it? Of, of course, yeah. It's fantastic. I think so, one of the things, Matt, just to, just to chip in on that is, I think you sent me a message about, is it, I can't remember what team it was now, Northampton, Scunthorpe, for it? I don't know. I sent loads of messages. I don't know. I, I can't remember. You sent, you sent me a message anyway where the owners effectively got into a lot of Oh, debt. yeah, there was a bit of... Yeah, the Swan. Swan. Yeah, the, uh, the Swan. Yeah, that was, yeah. He'd written uh, off a load of debt uh, for 11 million, but he then he was then sat on a 90 million... Yeah, so you can get... value, you know, yeah. It protects just ground. that instance alone, you know, so he's, he's basically up 80 odd million, isn't he? Because he's, he's, he's not maybe he's not got physical cash, but he's now got an asset that's worth... Look, my look. My understanding is that it won't stop. My understanding is it won't stop that. But you know, so if if Phil wanted to sell it to an American investor, you know, for twenty million, for example, uh, what that does is it gives us six months to drag it out uh, and yeah. come up with a rival bid. I, I don't physically think it has the power to stop it, but it gets the news out in the open, and you can also you know activate your certain fan groups, etc. From there, so there is that positivity. But you know. If if someone was adamant that they wanted to sell a share to somebody for an X amount of money, that then 
you know, you either match it or it goes through really, but it's still, it's still a positive step. And I think we'll call it there for, for this evening as well. I think we've rambled on long enough. Everybody seems to be logging off online now. So um, even Thomas Burhouse, you can, you can, <laughs> you know, he's been quiet for a while. He's, he's bored of you, Richard. So we'll, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. So final thoughts, Carlos is down, but not out, but has to deliver improvements, but there's good news on Umbro and uh, a good big congratulations to the HTSA as well. So a big congratulations as well to Richard for, for reopening in the pandemic and hopefully everything goes well down at magic rock as well. Uh, and thank you all for listening online and we'll be back again next week after the Coventry game. So look out for Brady's preview and fingers crossed for uh, a better result. So thanks. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, nut nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.